right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the most scariest, eeriest, ookiest, and spookiest podcast this side of the horizon. That's right, mostly ghostly. You're joined by me, Matthew, and uh, my co-host with the most, Ray. How you doing over there, Ray? Not bad. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. So, uh, you know, one of the f- our most favorite things to talk about on this show is, uh, as you would assume, some ghosts, you know, and, and ghost stories. Uh, they're our favorite, whether we're, we're scanning something ourselves, reading, you know, from a book, um, talking to somebody and them giving us the, the one-on-one story or the recall of what went down. You know, we just really love it. It's captivating stuff, you know, to the audience folks that have reached out and that we chat with. I know that they enjoy that as well. And uh, we thought today would be a kind of cool one to dip into some creep stories and uh, give our takes on whether or not we think uh, it's dealing with some realities or some fairy tales or, hey, whatever, you know. Um, But what we're going to do is we're going to roll through 15 of uh, supposedly some of the creepiest uh, paranormal events uh, featuring children, you know what I mean? And uh, why do we pick children? Does it get more scarier? You know what I mean? It's some horrific stuff. Uh, we'll do one about older folks later in the future. Uh, because like we always say on Mostly Ghostly, those things come for the, the older and the younger. Trick their minds. Right, Ray? Oh, yeah. Especially uh, creeps you out with the kids because we try and protect them and they're helpless. Children are the future, as they say. And uh, if something was to happen, where's the future at? You know what I mean? Well, so, we'd, have a haunt- we'd have a haunted future. I think that would be another great album name. We haven't had a good album name in a long time, Ray. And I think Haunted Future is a great. That's one of our follow-up albums. I can appreciate that. So, first up, you know, we're going to tap into this one. This one's called... On Thursday, rent is due. All right. Now, we don't own any of the copyrights to these stories if they happen to be fictional somewhere. Um, and if they're 100% true, so, you know, we, we still don't own them. But I think we're, we're, we're able to talk about them more freely. But with that being said, on Thursday, rent is due. Now, Brian T. had trouble sleeping most nights. He stayed up reading. Uh, feeling not the least bit tired. He looked up to see his bedroom door slowly swing open, and then his five-year-old son walks in. Brian says his son just stood there for a while before finally saying he had had enough of the woman in his room. I've had enough of the woman in his room already. That's creepy stuff. It reminds me of that story uh, I've probably told a million times on the Mostly Ghostly Show about my uncle and the witch and his son. Now, she apparently kept climbing into bed with him and stroking his head. I wonder which head. Brian assumed it was a dream. Nevertheless, he asked the son, the standard who? There's no one else here but us, my little man. Brian says the look that his son gave him was otherworldly, as if he was possessed. In the voice of an old woman, the five-year-old boy said, on Thursday, rent is due and passed out. Now, I'm not going to lie, dude. even reading that, I got the goosebumps at the end of that. When the kid spoke in the, when I read the kid spoke in the lady's voice, my, my, 
my 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 uh, my bumps were goosing for sure. Uh, Ray, did that? Did this this story touch you in any way yet? Uh, yeah, it did. It's uh, I don't know. It's just just got this kind of chill going there, like oh god. Yeah, there's a little more to it, but definitely, and it's the kid thing, I think. Um, but it's you know what the old lady is as ancient as witches and stuff like that, you know. Now, despite months of doctor's visits, which hopefully they didn't try and fry his brain, the episodes continued to repeat weekly. Four months later, Brian had another sleepless night, and he decided to check in on his son. Getting to the door, Brian says he saw what looked like a haggard old woman uh, woman climb out of his son's bed and out the window. Brian instantly pursued the figure, only to find no trace of the woman. It was the last time he saw her, and his son never had another incident. Um, I want to comment that I don't like them crossing over stories. I don't know if you caught this one, Ray, but it's like I got spooked out by the first half when I thought it was a spiritual entity. And by the end of it, I thought it was just some female wino that snuck into his room for somewhere to sleep or, you know, maybe something worse, but not as... You know what I mean? I'm not, not, not like, uh, you know what I mean? Not ghoulish. You know what I mean? Maybe she was horrifying looking. I don't know what the story is, but what would you, what would what, you take away from this one? Uh, I would say if it's demonic at all, it's very weak. And once it was recognized and seen by the father who was, uh, in that story, the protective figure. Yeah. It, it broke the link. And the thing fled, and that's why it never came back. It's also very possible that after he's seen it, uh, he, he could have consulted with people that would exercise uh, and do something, and maybe it just wasn't mentioned. But you would assume, as a parent, you'd assume you you'd get in there and you know what to do, but you'd assume a parent out there seeing that would go, okay, I either have to involve the police or uh, some type of spiritual advisor if this is an otherworldly thing, you know what I mean? I'll bring in that person who's going to clear the place or exercise that thing right away, and that, uh, dreams, that dream demon's not coming back. Yeah, I felt that uh, the only dream demons we support is the Insomniac short film, which everybody could watch at this moment for free on YouTube at Boombastic Media. Now, again, I got to say that they really killed it for me when they brought that. They made it more human. Um, like, it, it's kind of like, 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 what, you know what I mean? It's like, why, what's up with the voice if it was just some lady? You know what I mean? Like, you'd think that it'd have a little more pizzazz where, like, he walked into the room and, you know, the, the lady was chilling, but all she did was just, like, turn and stare at him and continue to pet the kid's head. That's horrifying. You know what I mean? Uh, running away is not that scurry. <laughs> but like Ray said, I guess it could have been like a super weak entity that even the mere sight of being noticed is too much. That's too much drama. They had to get out of there. You know what I mean? That's that's interesting. Well, well you also got the, if that's an entity that's feeding on the child's energy. Yeah. When the parent went in there, it shifted that energy. And maybe it wasn't strong. It was a weak entity. But with that shift in that energy, it lost it lost its link. It couldn't feed anymore. Yeah. It, it, it basically ran. 
Well, I mean, that bring, gives it a little more creepier. You know, the, the whole aspect, but as soon as they put in my head the possibility of it being a human, regular, like a crazy homeless person or something like that, you know what I mean? That's when I go, that makes it more, it's more reality that it would be that. And that's not, it's, it's, it's still pretty horrifying on a human level where you got some stranger in, in bed with your kid when you go to see that he's been complaining about. Um, and you didn't, tr- it's one of those things we didn't really believe him. You just kind of felt it was just like the boogeyman or whatever. But who's to say if the boogeyman's real or not, too? You know what I mean? But I think they lost me a little bit when uh, they took it for that kind of more realistic route. Um, now, next up, we have Just Beyond That Tree. Kind of a creepy title, I won't lie. You know what I mean? Gets my mind going already a little bit. Now, there's a forest outside of Dublin, Ireland, my homeland. Uh, This is reported to not only be haunted, but also where bizarre disappearances occur. Kind of Bridgewater Triangle, in all triangles. You know, it is said that the ghost of a little girl lures people into the deep woods by calling for help. We've heard that same old song and dance before. Now, anyone concerned for her follows, trying to find her, getting closer and closer, deeper and deeper, into the woods as well as trouble. Now the voice of the girl sounds like it's coming from just beyond that tree when suddenly the searcher falls to their death in a ravine. Official reports list no deaths associated with the ghost. However, local legend and storytellers are adamant that she not only exists, but also know who she is. Her name is Claudia Henry, an American girl who had been traveling with her parents when two men approached them on the road through the forest. Supposedly, the men killed her father, did bad things to her and her mother, and then killed them as well. Now, Claudia is bent on revenge, killing any Irishman who is just trying to do a good deed. And I only laugh because I'm an Irishman that does good deeds, so I'd be in trouble. You know what I mean? What do you uh, think of this one, Ray? Well, if you have a spirit there and it's a, it's a troubled one out for revenge, that would be perfect using the voice of a child to lure a person to to death. Um, I would I would say, yeah, that that one makes a lot of sense to me. Vengeance is something you can carry into the grave, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of spirits that are still around are vengeful. And carrying the hurt and the pain and the anger of what happened to them in life, so that fits right in with a with a classic uh, ghost uh, revenge sort of thing. I mean, that's that is just so common. Yeah, the only thing I don't dig about it is uh, be, being called just beyond that tree because it's just beyond that tree type deal. You know what I mean? But I guess it works for somebody. Searchers fall to their death. It's kind of like a Pugawudgie type vibe, um, which are also found in air, like a triangle, which is a, an area kind of what I'm vibing this to be like. But uh, yeah, do you think that the, the you know there's just that casualties of war where because there's so much hate for Irish that even if a good-hearted Irish boy comes around go, looking for good, trying to be nice, he'll still get, she'll still. You know, you, you see in the movies those moments where they go, the ghost goes, oh, they're different, and they kind of keep going. You know what I mean? You don't think there would be something like that in reality? No, I think that if the hate is strong enough, it's not going to distinguish between good or bad. It's just going to take its revenge. Interesting. 
It's looking for the red hair and the spirits, you know. Uh, next up, we have cold water, warm light. Now, Cordy, which is a name that I'm, I don't hear that name too often. Maybe this is the first time ever. Cordy recalled from her childhood that her younger brother was terrified of water. Now, that's kind of something, you know, you see kids scared to take baths in water. Maybe it's because of the just it's so different than what you what regular just being in the air is like. Uh, but maybe there might be something to it with this water. But even for baths, Cordy wasn't getting wasn't getting down with the water. You know what I mean? He would put up a fight, screaming and crying the whole time. One night, Cordy asked why he was so afraid. Why was he so afraid of the water? Cordy says that she could remember word for word her brother's response. And his response went a little something like this. I was in a big, unsinkable ship. We hit the biggest iceberg, and then it was really busy. Then I got cold and wet. Then I went to a warm, bright place and waited until my next family came. Cordy said her mother also heard, heard it and ended bath time. That's definitely time to end bath time. Cordy's brother was born April 15, 1992. The Titanic sunk on April 15, 1912. You know, these Titanic, when you hear a Titanic story, you kind of roll, and at least me, I kind of roll a little bit of an eye because it's such a famous thing that would cause a haunt. But maybe because it's so famous, maybe that is why it would be so powerful, you know what I mean, and why uh, it, would, it would have all that vibe to it. What do you think, Ray? I think it's possible that the child was young enough so that they didn't know anything about the Titanic. That makes it even uh, even a bigger thing if they didn't know the whole story or they had never heard of it. And then they come up with that, then it's very real. As for people, uh, souls coming back, reincarnating, uh, that's possible, and and you can carry some of your trauma from a former life with you. So that one there, to me, sounds, um, I'd say, sounds legitimate. A young child would know about the Titanic, would know about all that that pain in the cold water, and would still have that phobia uh, from their death in the past. And having done uh, past life regressions on people. Uh, being a hypnotherapist and certified in past life regressions, I know that there are people that carry in this life the trauma and the events the, from a past life. Yeah. So that that with a child there, yeah, I'd say that one there, I'm going to, I don't know about 100%, but I'd go like 90% plus, I believe that one. Why do you think it didn't remember the name of the Titanic? I think that's a trauma thing that it try blocks it out or... It could be a tra- it could be a trauma thing, or he could have been young enough when it happened that uh, he didn't really grasp the name too well or remember it too well. He was just going along on a big boat ride, wasn't paying attention to the name of it. Being a little kid, if that's if that's the case, he wouldn't probably wouldn't remember the name. Or like you just said, it could just be the trauma of it all. He's a lot of it is blocked, but the instinct to avoid water is still there in this life. I didn't even consider him being a young kid. <clears throat> I just figured it was an adult coming back. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, next up, we have number 12. When did he get here? You know, that's a little creepy already. 
Now, Tina, a mother of three, told the story of her children playing with a new friend. That's already creepy. Uh, she had been sitting in her room when she heard her two youngest girls, age six and nine, uh, those are increments of three, mind you, triangular, uh, giggling up a storm. Tina decided to go see. It was after uh, 10 p.m., and they should have they should have been in bed. However, before Tina can even get out of her bed, her daughters come running into her room. Where did he go? One of them asked. Tina said, who? And the girls gave her an accusing look. They stated that he came running into her room. They saw him, the young boy who was playing with them. It took Tina nearly 15 minutes to convince the girls that no boy had ran into her room. Finally, the girls left and went to sleep. Now, real quickly, I, the thing I said about the triangular, do you think that ages of six and nine, do you think ages lining up would be something that would create like almost a vortex or a portal for something to come through? Um, I think it, it's probably more that children are open and yeah. it isn't until society beats that out of them later in life that they lose it. But lots of times people say, oh, that's just an imaginary friend. It may not be. What the child can see and what the child knows is probably what their parent has forgotten. Yeah. So for them to, them to play with a little... To play with a little boy, if it's a spirit boy, is yeah, that's totally plausible. I'd say that can happen. Now, a month later, it ain't over yet. A month later, and at a new and at a new apartment, Tina and her children are unpacking and getting settled in. Tina's youngest, a son, age five, is walking around taking pictures of her with his sisters. Later, when they are scrolling through the pictures he took. They noticed something odd in the picture of Tina and her daughters in the living room. Goosebumps. There is a young boy, no older than 10, with dark black, dark hair and pioneer-style clothing in the corner. Tina is shocked. And then one of her daughters says, Mom, when did he, when did he get here? So that's creepy. You know what? About no, it would have been even creepier as if it, when when she looked at the kid and the the, the the girl said, "When did he get here?" wasn't talking about the, the picture. She was t- pointing to the corner of the room. That would have been a better ending. I would that guy gave myself goosebumps with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this one. Yeah, I think this is prob- probably probably uh, very possible of happening. Happening. Um, you know, I automatically think of attachments, but, you know, we talk about that so much on the show that I, I assume maybe something got taken from the house and now he's, you know, even if it wasn't taken and maybe he himself just attached in, you know what I mean? That's the kind of vibe I get with what's going on in this situation. What do you think? Well, well, the, uh, if you go, if you go back, back to what I said before about a child being open, um, my daughter was very close to my mother and there's a granddaughter now. And when she was very young, I was uh, playing with her and she was talking about her, her imaginary friend. And I said, what's her name? Because uh, being a medium, I got a very comfortable and a, a good feeling. And I was thinking about, Oh, wow. Without saying it. And I said, well, what, what's your ma- what, what she look like? And she goes, well, she's an older lady, but she's really nice. 
Uh, oh, what's her name? Then she said her name, which was my mother's name. Oh. So her imaginary friend, and I could feel it, but she actually named it, was my mother who watches over her. Uh, yeah, so a, ch a child seeing uh, a friend, again, um, they're open. They're open to things that we're not unless we teach ourselves to open up again. Yeah, I get down with that. My, uh, my aunt has had a story with that where uh, my niece seen my grandfather, after, uh, who's no longer with us, type deal. Some interesting stuff. All right, next up, down by the river. This one's almost like down past the tree, a little bit of a feeling already. All right. Stephen's five-year-old son, I think the other gentleman had a five-year-old son as well, had a chilling encounter one night. Uh, now, Stephen says that he and his Joseph were, living in the, were in the living room watching television when the phone rang. Joe jumped up and answered it, and Stephen says that was unusual in itself. Joseph was silent as if listening intently. Stephen kept asking who was on the phone, but Joseph would not reply. Finally, after about five minutes, Joe hangs up the phone and returns to the couch. Stephen looks at him and asks if he's going to tell him who had been on the phone. Joseph said he didn't know who it had been. This makes Stephen edgy. He asks why Joe would talk to a stranger for so long and not tell him. Joe, Joe said he had to listen. He was getting directions. Stephen sat up at the, and forced his son to look at him. Joseph, who was that on the phone? You need to tell me. It was Grandpa. I wasn't supposed to say, but we are supposed to meet him by the river tomorrow. He's excited to see us. Uh, goosebumps. Stephen and Joseph had a fishing trip planned for the following morning. However, the grandfather had been dead for seven years. Joseph had never known him. Interesting. That gives me the goosey bumps. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, some def that's definitely some, uh, some creepo stuff. I give you the creepo. How's that hit you, Ray? That, that one was, I felt that one was pretty convincing. I felt like stuff like that is, uh, it's just, it's kind of like that telling people you love them when you get a chance, you know, from the other side type deal. Oh, I agree. Also, if you're talking about, uh, the spirit world or another dimension, time is not the same over there. Now, whether the, uh, grandfather was watching over them and knew they were going down there because he had heard it from the other side or whether he just saw that they were going to be down there and uh, decided to reach out, uh, reach out to the child to let them know, Hey, I'm with you. I'll be there. Come on down. Yeah, I, I, that one there, I'd say, uh, I totally agree with that one. Completely, again, completely believable. Yeah, very creepy situation. You know, waiting for you. Creepy. Um, well, you see, you, you see, uh, I would think after all this time knowing me, you wouldn't think of it as creepy because I don't think about it that as creepy. I think about that like, wow, cool, grandpa's going to be there. Well, there's two, yeah, there's two ways. There's two ways. See, I have a 
See, I had that nightmare that I didn't know if it was reality or like a, like a, like a, I know it wasn't reality, but it wasn't like, like a, a little more than a dream type deal where like I might see my grandfather after he was dead. And um, it was very, it wasn't a pleasant thing. You know what I mean? It wasn't a, it wasn't a positive vibe at all. You know what I mean? So like, I, I, I know that there's definitely positive vibes that come with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just play both sides of the fence because I know both are out there. Um, next up, though, we have the Green Children of Woolpit, which sounds horrifying already. Um, now, in the 12th century, Suffolk, England, outside the village of Woolpit, villagers found two young children in a nearby forest. The children appeared unharmed, They seemed to be more scared than anything, and so were the villagers who found them. The children had green skin. They were taken back to the village for safety and and to try and find where they came from. The children, besides being green, also spoke in a language no one had ever heard. For weeks, they refused to eat until they happened to find raw beans they consumed with vigor. For a while, all they would eat were the beans. But with time, they began eating other foods and eventually started losing the green hue to their skin. One day, the boy became ill and died not long after. The girl went on to live a long life and learned enough English to tell her story. She said that she and her brother came from a subterranean world called St. Martin's Land, where the sun never shone and their brightest day was twilight. There, everyone was green in color and ate food much different than her, than hair. Uh, the pair had followed some cattle into a cave. She couldn't recall what happened or how they ended up near the village. They had been following the sound of cowbells into the darkness and got lost. The girl grew into a woman and got married not far from Woolpit. She died of natural causes in her 70s. See, that's kind of crazy. That's that's kind of a wild deal there, too, because you would believe that anybody that lived in a cave, if you don't get the appropriate sun, uh, you, your skin could probably start to fade and have a greenish tint to it. There's certain sicknesses you can get where your, your skin can have a greenish tint to it. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you... If you spent a long time maybe in the muddy swamps, you know, with the algae and stuff on you, it's possible. And it didn't get appropriately washed off you. It's possible that I feel like you would become greenish swamp thing. Like, you know what I mean? What's your take on this one? I know. I can't remember the details. I know about the uh, story of green children that comes out of that same area. Uh, Separate from that. I would say, and if you go back to, we had a mostly ghostly where we talked about uh, what lives in the earth or underground in different cultures. It's a common story that there are races that live uh, in the earth. So I find that fascinating. I'd love more details on it, but I would probably say it's more like a folk legend than possibly more of that than reality, unless that they were young kids foraging on their own, living in caves, and then uh, through a diet or sun deficiency, whatever, their, their skin changed. One of them was able to adapt above ground and one was not. That that might happen. 
maybe in time the first time of vegetarians. That's what happens. Now our next one up is Heidi and Mr. Gordy. Mr. Gordy's already starting me off in a creepy place, you know what I mean? So here we go now. Now, when Heidi was three years old, her family moved to a country home in Georgia. Heidi was not happy to the lack of children to play with. Then one day she met Mr. Gordy, an old man in black suit that would appear out of nowhere. Lisa, Heidi's mom, was worried when Heidi first told her. After some time, though, she became frightened for another reason. She discovered that Mr. James Gordy had been a local landowner. He had also been dead 20 years. Uh, Certain that her daughter had seen his name somewhere, Lisa and a friend who knew James Gordy showed Heidi some photographs. They showed her one of him and Heidi uh, excitedly pointed, that's him, Mr. Gordy. So it was, wearing a black suit, laying in his casket. Heidi continued to see Mr. Gordy until she was eight years old. It's kind of crazy that show a kid a guy in a casket, don't you think? As like they must not have had too many pictures of that dude. Well, they could have been trying to influence her to say, you know, well, it can't be him; he's dead. But the kid, the kid just recognizes it anyways and goes, "Yeah, that's him." I guess it was a different time, you know. But yeah. So, well, you, t- you talk about different times. You can go back in a variety of countries. Um, public executions, whether it was beheading or hanging and stuff, they were a big social thing, and a whole family went, including the kids. So maybe it goes far enough back that, you know, showing the, showing the kid a picture of someone in their uh, coffin might not be that unusual. And that was the landowner, or maybe died in the house, or maybe the house used to be a, a funeral parlor. Obviously attached to the land. For sure. All right, next up, Shirley Saves. Now, Brenda S. tells a story from childhood about her sister, Shirley, who had Down syndrome. Complications arose as she developed holes in her heart and artery walls. And that's a true fact. That's a true deal because we got a second cousin who has Down syndrome, and he's got holes in his heart. At the age of two, Shirley died. Two years later, Brenda's new brother, Gerald, was born. Another two years passed and Brenda's mom was cleaning the attic while her father was working in the basement. Brenda says her mom heard clearly as if in the same room, Dada, Dada, Mama, Mama. Her mother ran to her husband saying she had heard Shirley call for help. Oddly enough, the father had heard the same call at the same time and thought the exact same thing. Shirley was calling. He started running up the stairs. Brenda said her mother and father almost collided as she watched. Confused from the kitchen as she claimed she never heard anything. Her parents found themselves face to face in the front room where Gerald had been napping. They looked over to see uh, that the child had gotten wrapped up in a plastic bag and was suffocating. Brenda says they they had barely made it in time for Gerald had turned blue before it for to, her parents still have a hard time telling that story with the story without tearing up. They know the truth. Shirley had saved her brother's life. What about the crazy creepiness of Shirley being the one holding the bag? 
You know what I mean? What you what you, what's, what are you doing over there, boot man? When you thinking about stuff like this one? I think it is more of a case of one sibling saving the other. There's an attachment there, and uh, they want to. It was a it was the ghost child that basically called out the 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 save the family member, the calling to the parents when they saw what was what was happening. I like to think that, yeah. That's the one I like to think. Now, if you were to think about that as as it being the other way, what, what would your vibe of that be? Then I would say it would be something other than the child that was trying to deceive them. Yeah. But why would they call out? Because that's the one thing that thing you know if they're going to steal a soul or an energy or something or if they're going to kill a child why would they call out which would mean that the child gets rescued they would have kept their mouth shut it's interesting like that power play almost like uh if it was a smart enough thing it could think of something like um that when they're in grief they'd be easy to attack and then it could almost tell them somehow that it's the soul of one of the kids and then get soak up all that energy because you've got to assume parents that lost two kids or even one kid would probably give anything to be able to communicate with that kid again um and that person would be the person hooking them up with that you know what i mean well, if that's if it's a spirit entity and it kills one child off, then you're talking about it moves into the body, and that, now you're talking about possession. I it eventually would. I think something like that could be would have them in the perfect position for bad stuff. Like if if that you know the, in grief and depression or whatever, I think they would probably be able to slide right in the back door. And once it really get a situation like that, I think once it really got its claws in them, that'd be a tough one to break. You know what I mean for sure. But it could be it could be a positive thing. But that's one of the things we like to talk about here on Mostly Ghostly. Is there's the yin and the yang. You got to prepare yourself for both because who knows which one you're dealing with at that time. Now we have the shadow whisper. Okay, whisperer. Now shadow people are a popular phenomenon hosting an array of theories from multi-dimensional travelers to demons. Albeit only one thing is clear, nobody knows for sure who or what shadow people are. However, Gabby T. claims that not only does she know, but she communicates with them and has since uh, she was five years old. Claiming to have had a dozen of conversations with shadow people, she goes on to say that they are beings from another time. Uh, they are here on our plane to correct the mistake. Uh, what's the mistake? We are. That's no good. Our species evidently depletes every natural resource to the point of slow extinction. Uh, sounds about right. They are working on a solution besides the obvious. That's nice of them. Currently, according to Gabby, they are planning on rounding up and rounding us up and moving the population to another universe. When shadow people visit a person, it means that that individual has something exceptional to offer when the time comes. They are being scouted in a way. They also told her that she would be among those to lead the ones by uh, the ones they deem worthy. And she was the most valuable. That's pretty heavy for a five-year-old, huh? 
Um, Gabby did and still does take it earnestly. She warns anyone who will take heed. She's uh, adamant that they approach children since their minds are more open and easier to train, uh, which we've talked about before. There is no other reported case of anyone who communicates with so-called shadow people. Uh, what do they train the children for, you might ask yourself. Well, you can keep up with Gabby on her soon-to-be WordPress blog. That doesn't mean she's telling the truth. Now, what do you think about that one? Shadow people are going to move us. They're here to save us because from ourselves. What's your take on that? Well, two two things come up. If this uh, person is saying that, you know, they like children to train them, um. How can she? How can she know whether she's been trained or not, and what their true purpose is? Also, the lore of shadow people, and if you look around, not only now but in the past, sensitive people and mediums, uh, paranormal investigators, etc., uh, quite often when they encounter shadow people, they are not very pleasant. They don't seem to have an agenda except for taking over, oh. and not necessarily moving you on sometimes uh, causing you harm, feeding off your energy, hurting you. So uh, if there's a shadow person involved there or shadow people involved with this person, I think maybe she has been trained to, to try and make them, she's the PR person to make them look good while they go about the world doing what they want to do on their own agenda. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple things going on in this one. I think it's a different, there's some Anunnaki type vibes in there. All types of crazy, crazy. So that's a, that's a very interesting one. Uh, number number, and the next one up, <clears throat> we've talked about on the show before. Um, Black eyed children. So I guess we'll, you know, we've gone down with what we think that they could be in the past. So um, I guess here we'll dive into a nice story. This doesn't seem to be the other story we heard before. So another trip into the dark-eyed shadow world. Now, while shadow people from before, they use darkness for cover, black-eyed kids or the BEKs, which sound like a boys group, are up front. You know, Roger from Houston says he was on his way home after four day running, driving his tractor trailer across the country. It was well after 2 a.m. No matter, Roger preferred to drive at night. My, I, I like that myself. Less traffic, cooler, and the silence beyond his engine was awesome. That's nice. Like most in his profession, he drank too much soda, probably did too much cocaine, and had to pull over to rest stop area. Now, the rest area was pitch black. Save a light on, except the light on the building. Roger didn't seem to notice anything until they stood right in front of him. He says it was three children. They wanted his cocaine. No more than eight or nine years old, dressed in 19th century clothing. That's one you don't hear that much. Usually they're dressed modern when I hear the story. And blocking his path to the restroom. Roger tried to, to say, excuse me tried to walk around them, and even tried uh, in a commanding tone with them. Then it dawned on him. It's after two in the morning. Where are their parents? Roger says a feeling of dread so powerful came over him. 
he thought he was about to lose his wallet. And then they would have just cut him up, put him on the side of the road, and moved on homeward. Now, he couldn't move on homeward. The children begin asking him for a ride. Very common. They asked for the ride, or they asked to be let in the house. They were lost. They needed a ride to exactly where Roger was going. Isn't that convenient? Thankfully for Roger, he had enough with a wit about him to say no and run for his truck and took off. Even when you run, sometimes that ain't enough, man. They get on you sometimes, I've heard. Uh, they're troublesome, man. Like, if, you get, like, if you're close enough for them to get physical with you, they say it's usually over. They say it's usually that's too late. It's a wrap at that point. Now, whatever they were, they weren't kids and they weren't lost, Roger recalls. I don't think they were human, he says. Um, yeah. We've talked about this before we get down with it. The thing, the, 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 the period piece clothing was something I've never really heard before. Dressed in 19th century. Um, clothing and blocking his path. It's uh, what do you think, Ray? Well, black-eyed children. The whole that whole phenomena started in Texas, and it's fairly it's fairly recent too. It's not something that goes way back. So for him to run into that in Texas is not too much of a surprise. Yep, you're also looking at yeah, could be. Something a little bit on the demonic side. I'd say that he he saw something that took the the uh, form of a child, trying to get in contact with him to take to uh, take him, whether it's his energy or his life. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think that uh, he encountered something, and he just uh, described it the best way he could, which was childlike and scary. That nine, it must be like 19th, 99th century to be otherwise, you know. I, you know, I, the clothing things got me off, got me off. And I'm, I, I get down with that stuff, but the, the clothing thing I thought was funky. Now, well, you're also, if, yeah. you, if you're talking about in Texas and stuff like that, you had a lot of things. Um, you had wild towns. That, I mean, I lived in Texas for a while, but you had some. If you go back 1800s and into the uh, beginning of the 1900s, you still had sections that were still the Wild West. You had uh, Native tribes. You had uh, the Mexican-American War down there where, you know, taking Texas back from Mexico. You had a lot of violence going down there. And then you also can take a look at those kids and how do we know that they aren't just uh, shapeshifters trying to to, uh, take somebody? There's a lot of possibilities down there, whether it's the dead come back from the past or something just kind of shifting around trying to uh, get more souls. Truth. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, next up, we do have mind games, though. Now, Jonathan, I have a cousin, Jonathan, nice name. You always know he was different. He could remember odd events back to his childhood, and while he could provide evidence at the time, he recalls making a bully in school levitate out of, out behind the gym. A few even witnessed it, he claimed. Uh, John believes that when he was six years old, something happened that changed him. 
He was taken, not by aliens, but by demons. They came one night and dragged him away. He screamed so loud and then nothing. His, his mother recounts he wouldn't be able to find him until morning, usually in the backyard. They would come every night and take him to where else? Hell. The demons trained him in mental powers and showed him horrific images of his parents and sisters being tortured and other atrocities. However, due to the demons making him consciously forget, he had no control over the powers. Levitating the bully above the ground had been more of a primal response. What what do the demons want? Raw emotion? Jonathan said, demons prefer children for their elastic minds. John was first taken at the age of three and was taken until his 17th birthday. Interesting. What's your take on that one, Bob? Um, If you have a, uh, you do have that young mind, that elastic or that open mind. If he's in a particular area, uh, does it say where this was? I don't know. No, no, no. Because uh, I know that there are some areas, like you mentioned, Bridgewater Triangle, there are places out west that um, you have elementals, you have a variety of different entities that, that can live out there, and they can be uh, feeding off the energy of a tri- child. And to perpetuate uh, their existence, they can be using that child to lure more people in to uh, eventually, as it grows up, it'll be their tool or their instrument to uh, reach out to others. So you've got a ch- you've got a child being manipulated there, so that he eventually becomes the servant of, or the proxy for the for the demonic forces. The creeper. All right, fourteen year old Samantha lived in Oakville, a small suburb outside the capital, and she and her friends would walk all hours of the day uh, to from the coffee shop, and they hung out at one night. Uh, time had gotten away from the girls and they were late. To save time, they each went home the fastest way possible, leaving Samantha all alone on her walk. She was two blocks away from her house when the shape stepped out from the tree lining along the street. Made my voice crack, that's how creepy that was. Sam froze in her tracks and waited to see what it would do. After a few moments, the shape sidesteps back into the trees and crosses the street. Samantha runs the rest of the way home, as would me. Getting to her bedroom, she feels safe, but not quite safe in her house. You should take note of that. There could be something going on. Unfortunately, it doesn't last long. Samantha looks out the window to see the shape standing in her yard and staring up at her window. She ducks to the side, thinking it hasn't seen her. Uh, Sam says it stood there for 30 minutes before leaving. The event repeated for years. Every few months, she had what she she had named the creeper would appear suddenly, let her go, and then stare at her window. She tried telling her parents, boyfriend, even the school counselor, but nobody believed her. One night, she comes home and looking out the window, she sees the shape standing, uh, not on the lawn, but standing right in front of her window. However, she says it had not been the creeper after all. Samantha said it was her grandfather who had been dead for two years. Uh, I can understand how she can get mixed up. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, 
Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, misidentification's easy. And she got, she got scared, and it was dark, so uh, she automatically thought it was creepy. I'm down. I get down with that. All right, next up. The Water is Red Now. It's a horrifying name for you. Now, Stephanie and her four-year-old son, single mother, uh, her son Tommy had been home on balmy, one balmy Virginia day. Tommy had been playing in his room while she did household chores. It had been a quiet day, though the si- that silence was quickly broken by a loud scream from Tommy. Sprinting down the hall, Stephanie burst into Tommy's room and expected something horrible had happened. Tommy was sitting in the corner with tears streaming down his face. She tried to calm him, inquiring what the matter was. All the same, Tommy was inconsolable. After five minutes, Tommy was calm enough to speak. Stephanie asked what had happened, and Tommy replied, Those two kids are scary. They say it's cold in the water, and the water was all red. But their mommy and daddy are very scary. The last part he could barely whisper. Why, Tommy? Why are they scary? Stephanie said. I'm getting goosebumps, man. Assuming an active imagination, Tommy had been hysterical, so she continued hoping to calm him. Where are they now, Tommy? I don't see anyone. It doesn't matter. They see you, he said. Tommy continued playing with his new friends until a year later. He said they left to go home. Stephanie says he still talks to spirits wherever they go. They now reside in Bangor, Maine. You go close to us. Um, you know, what's fo- I had a, f- a funny visual in my head of when a kid tells you something that horrifying, you, sm- you smack their face for making you that scared, thinking they're telling you a fib. You know what I mean? Um, go, what you doing, Johnny? Don't do that, Tommy. Um, it doesn't matter. They see you. That, w- that would have been a point where she shook his collar and said, Tommy, don't you ever say that to mom again. Don't you ever say that. And I wouldn't blame her. As long as there's one little one. Uh, a golf slap. Nothing too crazy. What, what's your take? Uh, that That's like a straight out haunting. Yeah. And I, like like we've said repeatedly tonight, kids, kids are open. They could see it. And I think that probably you had uh, not only... The little one, but you had the, the the little one, but you had the the parents there. Let's say it's a family that died, right. you know, a family that dies together, haunts together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. We get attachments and all that stuff. All it takes is, I think, all it takes is for them to them to be interested or like your energy, and then it's then it's tough to get a. You don't exactly have to welcome them. They can just kind of come in on their own right, I believe, unfortunately. you know. What makes me think that maybe uh, that, that kid's response about, you know, what the parents don't see, but they see you sort of thing, um, to me that adds some validity to it because the kid knows that they're there and knows what their nature is like, even if the parents want to deny it. Those two kids are scary. That's creepy, right? Next up, they say it's cold in the water, and the water was all red now. 
that's creepy because you go, of course, red water. You think of blood, of course. Um, you think of the water being cold. What do you think of? I think I, I think of a kid left in the bathtub too long. You know what I mean? That's what my take is. Maybe with blood in there with him or on him or from him, whatever it may be. But the creepiest part is, but their mommy and daddy are very scary. That's the horrifying part. That that's so good that it's almost like literature. It's almost a good a good a good creep creep writer. Someone good at writing stuff that's very creepy. Uh, almost put that together. Um, maybe it sounds too good. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Well, maybe the uh, maybe the parents uh, kill the kids, and when the parents died, they were trapped with them. So the kid, the parents can't move on because they killed the kids, and they're trapped with the kids now. And the person who saw them can pick up how evil that the parents were. I had a, I just had a thought of the murder suicide vibe, where they killed, they, they, they the kids were drown, drowned in the bathtub type vibe. Um, their heads might have hit from trying to hold them under. Um, blood water, water got cold. Um, and the, the other people look scarier because maybe somebody took a gun, shot one of them, and then shot themselves or something. You know what I mean? Now, there's a very dark, dark side to that, too, and a very real possibility because of the darkness of it all. Yeah. Creepy stuff. Um, next up, rights of the child. Okay, there is a little-known town in Oregon called Defer. Resident Clyde B. says that something sinister occurred there in 1998. Child Donald F. was almost murdered by his own parents. When Donald was seven years old, he had heard loud singing coming from downstairs. When he went to investigate, he was shocked by what he saw. His parents and several others he had not known were in a circle and not singing, but chanting something he couldn't understand. However, that was not what uh, what had him frozen in place in the middle of the circle. Donald had told Clyde there was a black mass uh, shaped almost human, like different, yet different, and it was uh, staring right at him. Then one of the adults grabbed him and he blanked out. The next morning, he awoke in a field on the outside of town. His parents were gonzo. The house was vacant and nobody in town knew who he was. He had become the town's only homeless person up until he met Clyde, who says not a day after Donald told him the story, he vanished. All they found was his coat and shoes. Um, Cohen's shoes almost makes me feel like he killed himself off. You know, like maybe he he told this dude his story and the dude didn't really care to help him out or care much for it. So in despair from that, maybe he went and ended it all. You know, when you people find their... I've heard rumor that well, a lot of people that like jump off of things will like fold, like, fold their their jacket and put their shoes out there and put their wallet in their shoe or their phone or their, you know, watches and necklaces, you know, stuff like that that they want kind of the family to have or whatever. So like that kind of that, there's something I get that vibe from that. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, 
this this is coming from a kid who was almost murdered by his own parents. You know what I mean? So like these parents are definitely in a different world. Yeah, they're definitely they're they're they're, uh, they're not just having cocktail franks and smoking a cigarette when nobody's around down there. You know what I mean? Smoking, sneaking away to smoke a little joint in the backyard or something. They're up to some more crazy stuff. Um, now, what was your take on the vanishing? That part of it. Well, I think that if you go back to the parents, they were probably involved in something dark and they'd have to be to abandon the kid unless the parents were taken away and the kid escaped. The kid couldn't live with it. Um, once he got to tell his story and his story was told and no one would believe him or that person didn't believe him, then at that point there, I, I agree. I think it's more a case of a suicide there that the kid just couldn't live with it so that, uh, took his own life what's crazy is that like the parents seen it uh seen him like notice he noticed it and then he woke he was grabbed he passed out he seen like a half human half whatever type thing um he wakes up in a field nobody knows who he is his parents are gone his house is vacant um, it's not just the parents running away at that point. You all, the people in the town not knowing who he is was kind of wild. And I remember on the ghostly show before I told you one of the worst nightmares I ever had in my life. Uh, and it's still, still true to this day was a nightmare where I was at a ski resort, <laughs> but, uh, I was at a ski resort and, uh, <laughs> I got lost from my family. I've never, we never really, we never went to, I went to a ski resort once with Bible camp, but uh, we never went as a group, but supposedly in this dream, my entire family was there, not just like my immediate, but my entire family was there and I got lost from them and I was all freaked out. And uh, when I found them, I thought of my uncle first, my uncle Paul, and uh, he did not know who I was. And it was the, scaredest I think I've ever been in my life because he, he he had no recollection of who I was he was my my uncle my poly but uh, I was completely erased from his mind which is kind of a crazy vibe that I catch from that um, wild stuff man wild stuff uh, you, you gotta take a look at also if you have these people that are doing something and the kid witnesses it yeah Depending upon what type of ceremony, let's say they're opening a portal or they're dealing with something from from the other side, the easiest way to get rid of the kid that um, so they they don't get caught would be to take that child through some sort of portal into an alternative timeline and leave them there. And they can re- the parents can return to the dark stuff that they've been doing. And the child is helpless left in this, uh, this timeline where that whole family and he does, doesn't exist. So he's just lost. In he's the, lost in time. In like, uh, in a world of dimensions and energy and stuff, what do you think for people that were powerful bad guys, for them to put him into a dimension where it's almost like a hell? almost a, his own little hell prison type deal and he ended it he, he it sounds like he he ended it for himself you know 
uh, what's your take on maybe like almost a psychic vampire deal that can throw you in this dimension that you're in complete anguish and torture because, like I said, that nightmare was, I woke up crying from that nightmare. That nightmare was horrendous. You know what I mean? And that just, that, that became that dude's life. Um, very dark, very dark. I mean, that's enough to make you crazy. You know what I mean? So I assume, I almost feel like in a high, with like a higher plateau of these like fucking bad dude, bad entity things, like that would almost be a place where they mentally, it almost kind of makes you think about when people get depressed and stuff. Like, are you really just, you know, being thrown in some type of weird mental prison type dimension type weird vibe? Very creepy stuff. Very creepy stuff. But, uh, you know, last up on this list, and of course not least, probably one of my, the when, it, when I want to talk about top three creepiest photos, and we talked about this in, when we did the episode on the photos. And this is probably one of the most famous accounts of horror, the Amityville ghost, uh, ghost trap. You know what I mean? And I think it's like one of the most famous cases. I think it's probably the evidence is nuts. You know, we nobody was there but this group of people. Um, if they were trying to fabricate something realistically, all you would have to do is bring in a kid um, and kind of you could probably recreate this photo. But the fact that supposedly this was re- legitimate and the, the, the kid wasn't there is is why it's a horrifying one. And anybody out there that gets into the creepy pics, uh, you're going to know which one I'm talking about with the one with the kid at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, very creepy stuff. Um, but to go a little further, and you know what I'm talking about, right, Ray? Off top? Uh, my, I, I think so. You'll have to say more to see if it comes it's back. Like it, 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 there's a, like a spiral staircase where he's sitting on the bottom steps and he's kind of looking over the railing and his eyes... They're like a, they're like shiny. If you you you, 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 you yeah yeah I'm sure you've seen it, but I'm gonna dive a little deeper in. And if you haven't seen it, woo goosebumps, right? Goosebumps, the real deal. All right, the home of the Defo, Defios, uh, Defeos. I don't know why I'm losing my mind. In Amityville, Rhode Island, uh, is among the most famous paranormal locations. I thought Amityville was in New York. I thought it was Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there was a mishap there. If it's Rhode Island, dude, I don't know why we haven't been there. Um, But uh, the DeFeo in Amityville, some some island, is among the most famous paranormal locations. In the 70s, uh, Robbie DeFeo, uh, the DeFeo's eldest son, went from room to room killing his family with a rifle. Which I always wonder how why, why don't nobody woke woke up and fuck it jumped out a window or something uh, or put up a fight because they're all found in their bed which is weird. Now a little while after George and Kathy Lutz bought the house uh, where strange occurrences started taking place, strange to the point where George almost repeated Robbie's actions, which that means things got pretty strange when you're about to repeat those actions. Now, George and Kathy captured the nation's attention and the attention of some of the most known paranormal investigators ever, Ed and Lorraine Warren. You know, we've talked about this as one of their most famous cases. 
Uh, they conduct an investigation in the home looking for evidence of paranormal activity. They find none until they develop the film. A single photo from their, from their infrared camera caught this image. Peering around the doorframe is what appears to be a child looking, out of, uh, looking at the camera. There was no one living in the home at the time, and the investigators hadn't brought any children with them. Though it was later revealed as a fake, this is one of the most famous paranormal encounters involving children. Leaving this case out of the list was not something that we could do here, mostly ghostly. It had to end it off with a big banger, uh, big crazy banger. Anybody out there has never seen this photo, go take a peek. Uh, absolutely scary, horrifying stuff. Um, it's interesting that the only thing that they encountered was this. Um, yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah, that definitely is in Rhode Island. I, that that's uh, that is not uh, accurate. They had a little situation, but uh, yeah, you know what I'd like to do is I'd like to have the picture so good. The picture's actually good enough of the kid that um, if you were to look up whatever these kids look like, yeah, the DeFeo kids, which has got to be pictures of somewhere, yearbooks, family photos that got put up for the public, um, you'd be able to probably tell if it was one of the kids. And I'd have to, my guess would be if it looks like one of the kids, hey, man, you know, the rest of the, how that goes, you know what I mean? It's, it can only be a few things. Um, and again, horrifying. Ever since the first time I seen this, I was horrified. I was chilled to my core because the that the look the, the look on the face, the eyes is everything that I imagine with like a trapped lost soul type vibe, you know what I mean? Everything that I could about what I what I imagined you'd see, and it's uh, it's too much for me to handle, baby. If I seen something like that, it would be it'd be a night. We'd be calling a night. We'd be like, if we came around that we we when we were doing our investigations, we came around. I'd be all shook up, all shook up, but da da, but da da. I'd be Elvis Presley, baby. You know what I mean. Um, very crazy stuff. Did you ever do any investigating with some infrared, right, in your day? Uh, no. What I'd be curious about, like you said, is if you can find some photos of that family. Yeah. And it looks like that kid, but there's not a single photo in there that has that pose at that age. Yeah. Then you'd have to say it's the kid. I mean, you gotta. I I, I see. You got. The, he's wearing like a flannel shirt, which is very with the times. He almost has a haircut of the times. The only way you could, the only way you could like get this effect is like, I don't know, dude. You'd have to definitely know what you're dealing with here. And it's a very kind of. Um, as I look at it now, it's a very weird deal too. Where uh, I never really picked up on this before, but it is kind of like the, there's a good ch- looks like a good chunk of his head's actually not there anymore, which would probably go into unfortunately how he passed. 
<clears throat> with the rifle deal. Um, even though I believe I, there had to have been some headshots. I remember from the movies and stuff, it's a lot of like chest shot stuff. Like it was rough. Like that sucks. Like that's like, I'd rather take a headshot than a chest shot any day. If you gotta, if you know you're going out, take the headshot. Don't take the chest shot. Then you don't gotta be no hero. Who's looking? You know what I mean? There ain't no badges of honor for it. Just take the headshot. Everything will be all right. Um, but yeah, I wish I had a nice picture to show you, Ray, cause next time I want you to take a peek at, get, take a, actually, we talked about this on the fo- most haunted photos episode. So I can just go, go back and listen to that if I want to hear your opinion on it, because I remember, uh, this was definitely there and we kind of rolled through all that stuff. But again, man, whew, I tell you, dude, you add children to the mix on paranormal stuff and you're getting, you're getting creeped out even more. Now that's when the kid is the paranormal thing, or if that, even if it's just the kid dealing with the paranormal stuff, because just the kid dealing with paranormal stuff. Some of those stories were just as creepy as the kid, uh, passed on and still being there type deal. Very creepy stuff. There's one thing which I kind of regret. You remember the instant Polaroid pictures? Yeah. Uh, you snap it, pull it out, kind of shake it for about it. 60 seconds and then peel it off and it develops. Yeah. There was a thing, there was a thing we used to do when I was young and I'm, I really regret they don't have those cameras that had film around anymore. Because it used to be fun, and it could freak you out. It didn't happen very often, but when it did, it would freak you out. Is that you might call out the ghosts and spirits or, uh, or something. You would call them, try and get them in there, try and communicate, and you would take random shots. Oh, really? And the reason you use that is there's no way to doctor it. So you're looking and you've got somebody standing there and you're going through this whole thing about talking to somebody, calling them in or something and show up and, and stuff. And you might be standing around, whether it be a circle or just a small group sitting around and you're taking random shots. When it's all done, you take a look at the pictures. And every once in a while, you'd catch a figure behind somebody who wasn't there. I feel like we shouldn't be recommending doing stuff. It's almost like a summoning, you know what I mean? It, it is. It's a little risky in that sense. But uh, what happened? What would happen is someone would say, oh, that's doctored. You can't doctor that Polaroid because you take the shot. 60 seconds later, you develop it. It doesn't go in a dock room. There's nothing you can do to it. So when you catch something, it's like, oh, shit, it's here with us. But, <laughs> yeah, un- unfortunately, I don't have any of those pictures anymore either. The way that some cultures think that, like, a picture might take your soul or, like, uh, you know, do something crazy. Uh, do you have any – what's your opinion on pictures, anything like anything like that? Well, they could. I mean, sometimes what with, the, with the pictures, supposedly what they might show, depending upon what appears, let's say, near an individual, uh, it might show death or how you're going to die or sometimes just whatever's visiting you in the room. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it was, it was a risky thing to do, but I was young and uh, full of myself, so I took the risk. Mm. Well, it was a long time ago, yeah. Nobody should do it now. 
You know what I nope. mean? No, yeah, I've seen, I've I've heard the stories of like people with like X's out on them, or like a line through them, or like if they're gonna die. Or have you ever seen anything like that in in person? Uh, in person, no. In photographs, yeah, I've seen like like shapes and different uh, like more uh, than orbs. Yeah, more than orbs. Kind of like I wouldn't call it an X or anything. I'd call it more like a a, a beam shooting through them or something like that. So yeah, yeah. You know, you could, you could call it an angel if you want, or you could call it death, whatever you want to do. And then people died after? Uh, fortunately, not with the group I was with. Oh, that's, that's fortunately, yeah. The, um, yeah, I've seen pictures with, like, the flashes, weird flashes. and Yeah, it's weird. Um, it's definitely a weird deal. But, yeah, I guess... We're adults, so we don't have to worry about this stuff. But something tells me. I think everybody got to worry. Thanks. But yeah, this was a creepy episode, man. I must say that I caught some serious goosebumps uh, on this episode. You know, I I haven't caught some goosebumps like this in a little bit. Um there was definitely some creepy stuff in these lists. Some of them could be a little fabricated, you know. If it's a little too good, like I said, where when they when they were hitting all the right buttons with the things they were saying and stuff, they really it sounds like the work of like a good writer. But it could be, you know, maybe I just felt that because it hit raw hit, hit raw realities, hit raw nerves with it. It was one of those things. Um, but yeah, definitely some really creepy stuff. Is there anything you want to say in closing about all these uh, paranormal events with, with the children? I might say that uh, with the children, it's more likely real than with adults because the children don't have a motive to try and fool you, and they are open. So pay attention to the children and protect them. Yeah, I don't think – I think, well, I mean, I do think there is a, certain, there is a small percentage of kids – that would try and spin a yarn to their parents and try and really sell it. Um, but yeah, there's also a lot of reality out there too. And it's like, but I, there's also teams there's group efforts too, where I could see parents and kids being in cahoots, you know what I mean? But uh, there's definitely some creepy stuff and I believe in the paranorms, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it's all real out there. But as per these stories, breaking it down that way, you know, whenever we go at these stories, I think it's good to say that I don't think it's not a dismissing of paranormal. It's just a dismissing of is this story caught up in some Hollywood stuff? Is this like fictionalized? Is this like the the, the 300 hand-me-down from the most creative characters you've ever known? Um, and you're finally getting it all well-rounded and well-worked, like a like a stand-up comedian perfects his act. You're getting the full creep-out story with things added to it and really hitting the effect, you know what I mean, of what they're going for. So, yeah, when I when I ex-nay or go nay, nay, nay on uh, some paranormal, I just wanted to say that I'm not saying it's not the whole big picture. It's it's really kind of just uh, whether or not I think they're trying to spin a yawn. And Ray knows. Ray does the same thing. You know? 
Yep. And that thing is mostly ghostly. We hope everybody had fun, enjoyed this episode. You know, I wasn't just bullshitting when I said I got the bumps, man. There was a few times, I'd say this probably like four or five times throughout tonight that I got some real legitimate goosebumps. And, uh, you know, episodes like this, I think people dig. You know what I mean? I know I dig. I know Ray digs. Um, it's one of them things. So, heck yeah, if you dug this episode, go dig in and find some more episodes. I'm sure you'll dig that if you're a first-time customer over here. It's mostly Ghostly Show. And, uh, yeah, we got the social medias and we got the Boombastic streaming on Patreon and we got all types of cool stuff. But we hope you had fun and we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. (laughs) 